Continuing in our series in Leviticus, we come this morning to Leviticus chapter 4, our New Testament complementary passage is Paul's epistle to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. So if you would open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, in honor of God's word, please stand. Romans chapter 8 here, God's word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Thus far in the reading of God's word, please turn to Leviticus chapter four, continuing in the reading of God's word. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If anyone sins unintentionally in any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done, and does any one of them, if it is the anointed priest who sins, thus bringing guilt on the people, then he shall offer for the sin that he has committed a bull from the herd without blemish to the Lord for a sin offering. He shall bring the bull to the entrance of the tent of meeting before the Lord and lay his hand on the head of the bull, And kill the bull before the Lord. And the anointed priest shall take some of the blood of the bull and bring it into the tent of meeting. And the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle part of the blood seven times before the Lord in front of the veil of the sanctuary. And the priest shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar of fragrant incense before the Lord that is in the tent of meeting. And all the rest of the blood of the bull he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And all the fat of the bull of the sin offering, he shall remove from it the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver, that he shall remove with the kidneys, just as these are taken from the ox of the sacrifice of the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn them on the altar of burnt offerings. But the skin of the bull and all its flesh with its head, its legs, its entrails, and its dung, all the rest of the bull, he shall carry outside the camp to a clean place, to the ash heap. And he shall burn it up on a fire of wood. On the ash heap it shall be burned up. If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they do any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, and they realize their guilt... When the sin which they have committed becomes known, the assembly shall offer a bull from the herd for a sin offering and bring it in front of the tent of meeting. And the elders of the congregation shall lay their hands on the head of the bull before the Lord, and the bull shall be killed before the Lord. Then the anointed priest shall bring some of the blood of the bull into the tent of meeting, and the priest shall dip his finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the veil. And he shall put some of the blood on the horns of the altar that is in the tent of meeting before the Lord, and the rest of the blood he shall pour out at the base of the altar of burnt offering that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And all its fat he shall take from it and burn on the altar. Thus he shall do with the bull, 
As he did with the bull of the sin offering, so he shall do with this. And the priest shall make atonement for them, and they shall be forgiven. And he shall carry the bull outside the camp and burn it up as he burned the first bull. It is the sin offering for the assembly. When a leader sins, doing unintentionally any one of all the things that by the commandments of the Lord his God ought not to be done, and realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring as his offering a goat, a male without blemish, and shall lay his hand on the head of the goat and kill it in the place where they kill the burnt offering before the Lord. It is a sin offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of the burnt offering and pour out the rest of its blood at the base of the altar of burnt offering and all its fat he shall burn on the altar like the fat of the sacrifice of peace offerings. So the priest shall make atonement for him for his sin and he shall be forgiven. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally in doing any one of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and realizes his guilt or the sin which he has committed is made known to him, he shall bring for his offering a goat, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering and kill the sin offering in the place of burnt offering. And the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove, as the fat is removed from the peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar for a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven. If he brings a lamb as his offering for a sin offering, he shall bring a female without blemish, and lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill it for a sin offering in the place where they kill the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering with his finger and put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering and pour out all the rest of its blood at the base of the altar. And all its fat he shall remove as the fat of the lamb is removed from the sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall burn it on the altar on top of the Lord's food offerings. And the priest shall make atonement for him for the sin which he has committed. And he shall be forgiven. Thus far in the reading of God's word, let us pray. Father, as we have read, we come to the preaching and the hearing of your word, and we pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts. Help us to see our Savior, to see our beloved, and to walk with him. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. So, children. Has your mom or your dad ever told you to do something, say clean your room, or wash the dishes, or fold the laundry? Have they ever told you to do something and you honestly forgot? Maybe you got distracted. Maybe you were playing a video game and you said, Can you give me 10 minutes? Let me get to the end of this part of the video game. But then you got to the end of the video game and you went on and did something else. Now, I'm guessing the answer is yes. I'm guessing each one of us can think of a time when we were told to do something and we forgot to do it. Now, let's do a different scene. Mom tells you, you need to clean up your room. 
And you say to mom, maybe out loud, maybe you're dumb enough to say it out loud, but maybe you're smart enough to keep your mouth shut, and in your head, you say to mom, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to. I like my room just the way it is. It's my room. Why does mom care? It's mine. No. So in one case, you honestly forgot. In another case, you said, no. Is mom going to treat... Now, now in both cases, your room doesn't get cleaned up. The dishes don't get done. The laundry doesn't get folded. Whatever it is that mom told you to do. In both cases, it doesn't get done. Right? One case you forgot. The other case you said, no, I'm not going to do that. Is mom or dad's response going to be different? Are they going to say, well, forgetting is not an excuse, but they're not going to come down on you maybe with all the wrath of dad in the same way that if you look mom dead in the eye and go, no, my kids can tell you if they ever looked mom dead in the eye and said, no, dad was going to come down hard. What happens when we don't do what we are supposed to do? That's the situation here in chapter 4. We have specifically unintentional sins. Did you hear that word all the way through? When a priest sins unintentionally. When a leader sins unintentionally. When the congregation sins unintentionally. When a common person sins unintentionally. Where's the sacrifice for an intentional sin? It's not there. For the child of Israel who will shake their face, their fist right in God's face and say, No! There is no sacrifice. There is no coming back. But for the child of Israel who unintentionally breaks God's law, we've got all of this sacrificial system laid out here. Now, if I'm honest, and I think if you're honest, there are far too many times in my life, in my week, in my daily practice, when I know full well that what I'm about to do shouldn't be done. (laughs) I'm getting on the computer and I'm going to a place that I should not be going. There's nothing in my mind that says, hmm, oops. (laughs) I know, my conscience is telling me, no, no, no. That's not right. Or, In the way that I address my wife, she annoys me. I know that I'm supposed to lay down my life for her. I know that I'm supposed to love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. 
But God doesn't realize how much she annoyed me. And so it's okay this time. And so I'll get on my high horse and I'll be snarky or I'll say something mean and ugly. I'll call her some ugly name knowing full well that I should not do that. Look at the standard that we've got here in Leviticus 4. The standard here in Leviticus 4 with all of these bulls and goats and lambs being slaughtered and their blood going all over the place is for an unintentional sin. These are people that are trying. These are people that are pursuing God. They're pursuing holiness. They're pursuing being His people, but they fall short. And I want to look very quickly at two things in this passage. The first is the issue of bulls and goats. As we read through Leviticus chapter 4, you heard a lot about bulls and goats, didn't you? So we're going to look first at these bulls and goats. And then secondly, there's a phrase that repeats itself. And this is, this is throughout the sacrificial system in Leviticus. We've already seen it. I've not commented on it before because I've been saving it for today. But both in the peace offering and in the sin offering, laying their hand on the head. It's an identification. An identification of myself with this animal. Bulls and goats, identification. Now, you would have to be legitimately insane. You would have to be legitimately a complete nut job to think that this world is perfect. To think that there's harmony throughout this world between individuals and the Creator God and between fellow humans. We see evidence of it all the time. Wars and rumors of wars. Violence against one another. Harsh words. Condemnation with no redemption. We see brokenness all around us and we see it within ourselves. And the question here is at what point can you say, I've done enough? At what point can you say, I've lashed that other person enough, I now forgive them? At what point can you say, I've lashed myself enough, I am at peace? This was Martin Luther's great, great, Conundrum, great, great conflict. When have I confessed enough? And Martin Luther said, if you ask me, do I love God? And this is a monk. This is someone who has given his life to the service of God. Martin Luther said, if you ask me, do I love God? I would tell you, I hate him. I hate him because there's never enough. There's never enough confession. There's never enough sorrow. There's never enough. 
And it was only when he heard the words of Paul say, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. It was only then that his guilty, tormented conscience found peace. In Leviticus chapter 4, we've got a clear gradation of responsibility. The most guilty, the most, the, the person with the greatest responsibility is that person who would stand between God and man, the priest. That person who would lead God's people in righteousness. That person who would teach God's people His will. And if that one sins unintentionally, then specifically a bull without blemish. Now, a bull, for some of you, may not be that shocking. But if any of you are farmers or come from a farming background, you know that you would gladly send ten heifers for slaughter before you would send your stud. You're not going to send your stud without blemish, your perfect bull, off to be slaughtered. He's valuable. And he's valuable not just for his meat. He's valuable for all of the really, really, really good bulls and heifers and calves and all that stuff that he will produce. This is something that is the most valuable thing that a person can possess, is a bull without blemish. For the congregation, if you read on down, it's not a bull without blemish, but it is a bull. For the leader, it's a male goat, same principle. The goat has to be without blemish, but it's your stud goat. It's your prized goat. You've got to give the best goat that you've got. And then for the common man, it's a female goat. Also without blemish, a female lamb without blemish. Not that men are worth more than women or any of that garbage. But we're talking strict economics here. You can afford to give up one of your female goats more than you can your stud goat. Your, your goat without blemish. There's a gradation of price from the most valuable down to something that is valuable. Nobody says, oh, I got one too many lambs, I think I'll go sacrifice it. Nobody ever says that. Any more than anybody ever says, oh, I've got way too much money in my bank. I think I'll go give a bunch of it away. <laughs> I have yet to hear the person who has said, I just have too much money. <laughs> something of value. Something that is important. The greater responsibility leads to the greater cost. 
And in the New Testament, this principle is not removed. It's actually reinforced. James chapter 3 and verse 1. You probably know the verse by heart. My brothers, let not many of you become teachers. Why not? Knowing that teachers will receive the greater judgment. There's a greater responsibility for the person in a position of authority. And now just to hit home, just to make sure that I'm connecting, you fathers, you men, you who would lead your households, you who would shepherd your families, God has greater responsibilities for you Greater commands for you. And thus, a greater awareness of how much you, myself as a husband, myself as a father, how much I am called to take seriously His commands. These unintentional sins still require sacrifice that is a great cost to me. Sacrifice that is going to bankrupt me if I don't get my act together. Sacrifice that is going to destroy me if I keep doing this again. And again, and again. You think maybe after the priest had killed his first bull without blemish, you think maybe he might think twice about doing whatever it was again? (laughs) I think I would. The congregation, the leader, the common person. These bulls and goats require sacrifice. Personal sacrifice. Personal commitment. But it's not merely the sacrifice that is in front of us here. It's also, secondly, this issue of identifying. Identifying myself with this animal. Because remember, the whole question that surrounds Leviticus, right here at the very heart of of the first five books of the Bible. And at the very heart of Leviticus itself is that great day of atonement, that day of peace, that day in which God says, you're forgiven. The nation is whole, healed, united, brought back into harmony. How can we live at peace with God. That's the entire sacrificial system. And you and I must, must lay our hand upon the sacrifice. We must identify ourselves 
with that sacrifice. Including the times when we just forget. Including the times when someone says, hey, you know what? That thing that you did, that thing that you said, that was against God's law. What you did was wrong. And we go, oh my goodness, you're right. We must lay our hands. We must identify ourselves. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the death that God promised to Adam and Eve, in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Without that death, you and I cannot be made alive. You and I cannot be made whole. You and I cannot have peace with God. Each and every time that someone would bring a bull or a goat and lay their hand on that bull, lay their hand on that goat, each and every time it was a public statement, I should die. I can only approach God because this animal, this animal without blemish, this animal that is pure, this animal that costs me personally, this animal is dead. And that allows me to live. Is there brokenness and is there injustice in the world around us? Of course there is. Only a fool would say there's not. Is that brokenness and is that injustice out there? Or is it right here? And that's where there's a lot of fools. Because it's awfully easy. So, children, let's go back to my original question. Mom tells you, pick up your room. But your sister comes in and starts bugging you. She's touching you. Just touching you. Just touching you. You ever have a sister like that? In all honesty, I was the brother like that. <laughs> I was the brother that was just poke, poke. So when mom comes along and says, hey, I told you to clean up your room. Why didn't you do it? What are you going to say? She was bugging me. He bugged me. He did this. She did that. And that same principle that you and I, who are parents, roll our eyes and get annoyed with our kids for doing, do you and I not do the exact same thing? Why was I a jerk to my wife? Well, because she should have. Didn't you see? Why was I a jerk to the person who cut me off in traffic? 
The answer's right there in the question, isn't it? <laughs> they cut me off. Of course I'm going to respond. I, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. <laughs> I'm going to cut them right back off. But the sacrificial system demands that you lay your hand on the sacrifice and say, this is me. I deserve death. Now put yourself in the place of an Israelite. One of these people who are hearing this word. You have a tender conscience. You're a a faithful Israelite. You have a tender conscience. I mean, one of the things that we do each and every Sunday is confess our sin. And I hope that there's not a soul in this room that when we come to the confession of sin goes, yeah, no, I confessed like three weeks ago. <laughs> what, what more do you want? I mean, three weeks ago I said, okay, uh, but I haven't done anything since the last three weeks. If, if, if that has ever crossed your mind, if that ever goes through your head, please come and talk to me. <laughs> or if you're married, talk to your wife. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> That you will, you will get a reality check right quick. So someone with a tender conscience. Someone who recognizes their constant struggle with sin. They would bankrupt themselves like that. Every time you Sin. A bull, a bull, a goat, a goat, a lamb, a lamb. Every time you sin. When John said, Behold, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It was a cry. It was a plea. It was a longing. It was something that they had beggared themselves in order to find was that sacrifice that was enough. That sacrifice that would say, it's over. You are at peace. Beloved, the bulls and the goats that came continually to the altar, that came day after day, year after year, century after century, all of that blood, all of that gore, wasn't enough. And it's not like they didn't know this. In the Old Testament, they knew it perfectly well. 
David continually cries out in the Psalms. What's going to reconcile me to God? Who can ascend that mountain? Who can climb his hill? Who can be at peace with him? David had the sacrificial system. David knew how to be reconciled with God, and yet he also knew that it wasn't enough. The prophet Micah cries out, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Leviticus chapter 4 says yes. Leviticus chapter 4 says that's exactly how you come before God. And yet even Moses and the Levitical system, the priests and all of that, knew what Micah goes on to say. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's told you, O man, what is good. What the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. A heart, a heart that is given to God. Beloved, in laying your hand upon the sacrifice, You are saying, I am broken. I deserve to die. I am a sinner. I am under God's wrath and curse. And God, in His mercy, has granted me a substitute. In theology, we like to speak or or coalesce this entire doctrine into the doctrine of the penal substitutionary atonement. Christ satisfies the wrath of God. He is our punishment. Christ is our substitute. And Christ brings us home in His sacrifice. He atones. He brings me home to be at peace with God. And beloved, if you are there, if you understand your sin, if you understand your need, then you can lay your hand on that same sacrifice. You can lay your hand upon that Lamb of God who does take away the sin of the world. That great cry throughout the ages, that great cry, how can I be at peace with God? That great cry can only be answered in the death of another. 
the Israelite who would go his whole life sacrificing, 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 sacrificing. The Israelite who would spend his entire wealth would still know that it wasn't enough. And he would long for the day when finally, finally he could say, it is enough. It is finished. That veil has been torn. That separation between a sinful you and a holy God has been shredded. Beloved, hear this well. There are only two religions that exist. You are either made right with God by what you do, or you are made right with God by what someone else does. It's a binary choice. You either are going to work yourself to God. You're going to work yourself to wholeness. You're going to work yourself to healing. You're going to work yourself, and usually we do that by pointing out all the deficiencies in everybody else. Because if I can point to a deficiency there, that puts me a little bit higher. But when the standard is holiness, then you and I either are going to be made holy by working harder and harder and harder and sacrificing more and confessing more and, and, and just trying and trying and trying and trying to make it right ourselves. Or we're going to say, I need a lamb. I need a lamb. I need a bull. I need a goat. I need something to lay my hand upon. And isn't that what the gospel is? Isn't that what Christianity is? There is no other religion on the face of this earth that says, I'm made right with God by another except for the gospel except for Christianity, except for the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that in all the longing and all the brokenness and all the heartache and recognizing that it comes from within me and you, we look to Christ, that Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you know Him? Are you putting your hand upon Him? Are you placing your hand? A couple of decades ago, there was this kind of thing that was popular. And it was a little bracelet that said, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And it was supposed to be a reminder to each one of us to, to always be thinking, what would Jesus do? And one of the good things about that, one of the, one of the good things about a WWJD mentality, 
One of the good things about that is, isn't Jesus lovely? Whenever you say to yourself, what would Jesus do? You can come up with all the lovely things that Jesus would do. That's the point of the bracelet. (laughs) Don't be a jerk. The point of the bracelet is act like a lovely, godly, righteous person. And so this lovely, godly, righteous, loving, gentle shepherd, the one who welcomes children into his arms, the one who is kind and heals, feeds, the one who lays down his life, he is the good shepherd. What a horrible, horrible thing that we would kill him. And yet, it's you, it's me that killed him. The words of the hymn, it was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. It was my sin was your sin. Have you put your hand upon Him? Have you laid your hand upon Him and said, my sin, my sin, my Savior, my Beloved. Father, we do thank You for this amazing message as we see the bulls and the goats and the rivers of blood and oil and the firstborn for our transgression. And yet we see all of it falling short, for you call us to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly before you. We see that one who is justice, who is mercy, who was so humble that he allowed us to spit upon him to crown his head with thorns, to mock him and raise him upon an ugly and brutal cross. And he did so for the joy that was set before him. Father, ground us more deeply in Jesus our Savior. In Christ's name, amen.